Well, we have started a series called The Great Commandment, in which we are looking at the great commandment that Jesus summarized um, in Mark chapter 12. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind, with all of your strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. And this week, we're contemplating what it means to love God with all of our minds, with all of our thoughts, with all of our thinking. What does it mean to love God with all of our minds? Well, the way Christians think about the world and about God and about truth, about salvation, what we might call the Christian worldview, uh, the Christian worldview is not so popular, at least in the Western world in particular. It's not so popular. It's come under attack um, the rise of the new atheism is one easy way to, to look at and see where, where Christianity has come under attack. Um, Christianity, the Christian worldview, has been criticised as being too narrow, too absolute, too black and white, too unscientific, too emotional. There's a lot of criticism. And I think that especially our young Christian people at whether they're in high school or at university or starting their first jobs, this is a time of life when one is asking the big questions about, you know, what is the meaning of life and, and, um, how did we come to be and who created us and so on. So, so I think that our young Christians, our young Christian people, um, actually bear a lot of the burden of this conflict between the Christian worldview and the broader worldview. I mean, of course, uh, Christians of any age can be uh, ridiculed, can have their views criticised and so on. Well, how do we respond when we find ourselves in a context where our friends or our teachers or our fellow students or colleagues at work or our broader family disagree vehemently with the Christian worldview. There's a few different ways that we can respond. One of the ways, sadly, and I, I feel like this is the choice of many um, Christians who don't have a very good grounding in the wonderful truths of God that we find in Scripture, a good grounding in their faith, one of the ways that we can respond to our views being attacked is to simply give them up and to assimilate to the majority view that we find around us, to just assimilate into that and to give up thinking that um, the Christian worldview is the right view. Another way that we can respond when our views come under attack is to withdraw. And one of the way, you know, to, to just be very quiet about what we actually believe or, or to compartmentalize our life. So when we're at church and we're mixing with other Christian people, we'll talk about Christian ideas and so on. But when we're at uni or in the workplace or at some family gathering, you know, we'll be very quiet about that. We compartmentalise our life and we try to look cool and acceptable in this other group. Um, and, of course, the most noble way uh, to respond is actually to engage, to engage the ideas of Christianity, the ideas that we find in Scripture with the opposite ideas that we're encountering um, in whatever context we find ourselves. Of course, one of the things that makes our response so difficult is that it's never a response of just... Um, you know, talking about what is true and not true and what is, you know, what is, what is knowledge. It's never that simple. It's never in a vacuum. It's always in the context of some relationship that we find ourselves in, some friend that we're having a conversation with or whatever. And, and so 
there are other things coming to bear on how we respond in these situations. But I think as we look at history and as we read scripture, and there are some wonderful examples in, in scripture of, of God's people um, engaging with uh, very different ideas that they found in the world around them, um, one of the things that we can be greatly encouraged by uh, is, um, you know, that God is, if God is truly God, God is so vast, so big, that God can cope with um, with us needing to explore and grow in knowledge and that sort of thing. In fact, in fact, um, Scripture says that the fear of the Lord, um, the fear of the Lord, is the beginning of wisdom, not the end of wisdom. It's the beginning of wisdom. There's an invitation for us to really grow in our thinking, to to have our minds expanded by God, uh, rather than feeling like uh, we need to put it, put uh, thoughts of God aside or Christian worldview aside and so on. I think we can also be really encouraged as we look back in history at the wonderful contribution that many Christian people made to amazing discoveries in the world. Um, Amazing discoveries because Christians have this idea that the world is God's. God made creation and God wants us to explore. And as we do explore, we come to know the mind of God better. We come to understand ourselves better um, and we make a wonderful contribution to the world. And so we see in history amazing Christian people making enormous contributions in fields like science, medicine, chemistry, um, yeah, starting universities, um, incredible thirst for knowledge. So we shouldn't shy away, um, shouldn't shy away as Christians. The mind uh, is a wonderful thing. So let's go back to this challenge that Jesus put before his audience then and lays before us now. Love God. We're to love God with all of our minds. Um, not just with our hearts, as we looked at last week, not just with our souls, and I get that to be about our relationship with God and our commitment to that relationship, not just with our strength and the things we do, our acts of service, where we put our energy, but with our very minds, with our whole minds, we are to love God. Uh, the way that we think, the things that we do with our minds are to be an expression of goodwill, of faith, uh, of love of God. Now, what does all of that mean? Um, well, we need to think deeply about God, uh, to be conscious of God and contemplate his character, see the character of God as we explore the world and so on. Um, our first Bible reading, uh, which uh, was, a, was reminiscent also of the passage in Deuteronomy we looked at last week, talks about uh, talks about trusting in God and not leaning just on our own understanding and, and saying, let love and faithfulness never leave you. Bind them around your neck and write them on the tablet of your heart. Um, don't be wise in your own eyes, but fear the Lord and shun evil because this will bring health and nourishment to you. Um, it's a wonderful thing to, yeah, well, metaphorically bind it around us and write it on our hearts to, to contemplate. And I'm mindful of, um, you know, some of the Psalms where we read about the Psalmist saying, even at night, thoughts of God occupy my mind. Uh, I awake and God is with me. Even in those dark and silent, um, hours of the night, our thoughts about God, um, we're to think about God. Jesus said to love God with 
all of our mind. So with every mental faculty that we have, we are to love um, God and every mental faculty that we have is capable of being an expression of love for God. So if we are, like if our area of thinking is around teaching and pedagogy, then we are to be people who love God with our pedagogy. If we are a mathematician, we are to love God with all the ways that we think about maths and the, you know, the way that we grow in our knowledge of maths. If we're a business owner, then we're to love God with all of our strategies, all of our decision-making, our marketing, even our advertising is to be an expression of our love of God with our minds. If we're into philosophy, we're to love God through our philosophy, through our thoughts, our philosophical thinking. We're to love God with all of our minds. We're to love God with all of our minds. So all of us are different. You know, one has a science brain and another of us, you know, has this sort of like relational um, nurturing a nurturing kind of mind. Um, another loves the creative arts. You know, we're all slightly different, some abled, some disabled. It doesn't matter. Jesus' commandment is good for all of us, that we are called to love God with all of our mind, all of the ways in which we are created, all of the things which are special about us and make us tick in terms of our thinking. Um, it's a matter of us giving what we are back to God, whatever our area. Um, that process of learning and discovery is to be, and I'm quoting, a journey full of wonder and praise into the mind of God who created everything. I was greatly helped as I was preparing this sermon by a book, and I could only come across an e-book, so I've got a print out of the cover here rather than the, uh, the book itself. Loving God with All Your Mind, Thinking as a Christian in the Postmodern World. Great book by Jean Edward Veith, Jr., published by Crossway Books. And he goes on to say this. He, he, I was just quoting him, and he goes on to say this. Whatever can be studied, whether uh, human nature or the physical universe, it is what it is because God willed it and God made it. And to uncover the hidden laws that govern matter, to disclose the patterns of subatomic particles, to discover how human beings grow and interact, to discern underlying patterns in history or in astronomy, all of these amount to nothing less than discovering God's will. Just as God is inexhaustible, knowledge is inexhaustible. And our curiosity and our understanding can never be fully satisfied in our short earthly lives. As thirst is evidence for water, uh, our yearning for knowledge points us heavenward where all desires will one day be fully satisfied. Paul wrote in his letter to the church at Corinth, Now I know in part, but then I shall know fully, even as I have been fully known. What a great encouragement we have to pursue knowledge, to see knowledge and truth as wonderful things to be discovered, to be contributed to. Um, incredible. And and that, that knowledge that we have, uh, what we think with our minds, is also to be used um, as a way of praising God. It's to turn us into um, praising people, praise praise of God uh, for all that we're learning, uh, for all that we're discovering about God's wonderful world and works. Um, so, yeah, the works of God in creation 
are to be praised, not just his plan of salvation for us, but all that is wonderful about this world that God has made. Um, the shape of a snowflake, the incredible way that the human brain can adapt uh, even after trauma, um, the capacity of the body to heal, the effect of yeast on flour, the, the vastness of the planets, uh, the provision of a way back to friendship with God. All of these things are praiseworthy and things to be yeah, explored more deeply. But as I said at the start of my sermon, um, Christians find their worldview, which is, you know, come from scripture, from God's word, where we learn so much about the mind of God. It is under attack. I also said that there are great examples in scripture that are encouragement to us. For example, the book of 1 Peter. Uh, Peter writes to the Christians who are under persecution and scattered everywhere. He calls them literally exiles. Um, and I think that Christian people, uh, we find ourselves often in contexts where we'd say we're in exile, you know, we're in Babylon. Um, another great area of scripture to, to read about how to engage with a very different thinking around us is the book of Daniel. Uh, Daniel, who was taken off to Babylon and kind of like reprogrammed, retrained, given a, given a Babylonian name and so on. And yet is this great model for us of how he remained to, faithful to God with his whole mind um, as well as contributing to the context the uh, the un the non the non-godly context in which he found himself um, Christians are called to make an amazing contribution um, where there is bad science we are called uh, to contribute to good science bad medicine to good medicine bad philosophy needs good philosophy so we're called to make Using all that we are, all of our unique gifts, all of our minds, we're called to explore these things and to make contributions to them. Uh, some commentators are saying that that it's like Christians are living through um, another dark ages. You know, that this is the dark ages uh, for for thinking. Um, uh, at the moment, that thinking has turned very ungodly and evil, and we t we're taking the world is taking pleasure in all sorts of things which um, are not pleasing to God, and and like how how as Christians do we navigate this? And and uh, again, the same writer, Jean Veith, uh, talked about how in the dark ages Christians made an, an incredible uh, contribution um, when all the world around them was disparaging and um, chaotic. It, it was our monasteries that continued to preserve knowledge and preserve history, uh, to value the growth in knowledge and learning to do things like scribing, you know, before the printing press and all this. Like, it was Christian people who actually um, made, a, made the way forward, um, made, made possible a new beginning. Uh, so, Christians, you know, no matter what context we find ourselves in, have a great contribution and a great calling to love God with our whole mind. Well, how do we do this? What's some practical starting point? We've talked at a very philosophical level, but what's something practical we can do? Well, this is an amazing book, the Bible. Um, it is an amazing book. It's an amazing insight into the mind of God, written by human authors, but inspired by God. God breathed. And as we read it and study it, we discover amazing things, not only about God, not only about ourselves, uh, but about the world around us as well. 
So I encourage you uh, to make this, you know, to, to actively engage with with God's knowledge that we find in this book. Um, we are to read our Bibles in a really active way, uh, not receive them passively as, as, as in a way you are now. Like, you know, uh, the Bible is not meant to be a dish that is served up to you each Sunday in sermons, but, um, you know, as valuable as these are, the Bible is meant to be for each Christian person, um, a guidebook to life. And so this is the book that we need to study um, and to study in depth. And of course, you can even make more of the sermons by, um, as some do, I know, like looking ahead at what, what are the Bible readings for the week and actually already coming with your own thoughts um, ahead of our sermons. Um, the Bible can seem like a very overwhelming book. It's a bit like walking into walking into Bunnings. I always feel like, it's, oh my goodness, it's so vast. You know, where do we start? And the Bible can feel like that. Uh, 66 books. But this year, 2021, why not simply master one of the books in the Bible? You know, pick a book, um, whether that's one of the Gospels or the book of Proverbs or uh, one of the Old Testament narratives or one of the letters that we find in the New Testament. Why not master one book um, know about who wrote it, the, the human author of it, what the historical context with, what principles and great truths and wisdom we find in it, what we learn about God and the world and ourselves as we read it. Just pick one and start with it. Become an expert um, on one book and you can, you know, you can choose them for length uh, if you wish, but it's an amazing book and it's a great insight into the mind of God. Now, and I say that because as we go about our lives, whether they are lives as, as students or teachers or scientists or surgeons or whatever, um, as we go, or soldiers, um, whatever our lives are, we can only grow in our understanding and bring God's truth into that situation if we actually know God's truth. Um, that's, you know, that, that truth has to be floating around in our mind to, to come to bear on our particular context. So let's get back to our Bibles this year of 2021. Thank you for listening.